pastor was kind of lining out um, who was going to be speaking and, and um, what have you on this day, it, it fell to me. And so I'm okay with that. And immediately, I'm, it was like three or four weeks ago, and the Lord gave me this, this thought. And so then I just kind of had to build around it. And so um, today's Independence Day, the 4th of July, it's Independence Day. And so I really, wanna, I really want us to think about dependence and independence. And so the title of my message today, I love how pastors always say it. They always say it. You know, if I had a title for my message, and we know they do. We know they do. At least mine does. <laughs> but the title, I have a message. I have a title for mine. And it's to live independent, to live dependent in an independent nation in an independent nation and this sort of this is one of those uh, messages that you know God really talked to me first so you know Ty needed to get some things squared away and so um, and now I, I hope that I can encourage you <sighs> so father I just pray that you would touch the service this morning uh, going forward Thank you so much for your anointing during, during our, our worship service. Thank you so much for Aaron and Haas and their dedication. Pray that you would just um, touch each here, here this morning and that you would open our hearts to hear your word. And, and Father, I pray that you would uh, enable me to share um, with clarity what you've put in my heart and what you've touched me with today to my family here this morning. Pray for your anointing. I thank you for this opportunity, and I love you, Lord. Amen. So for over 230 years, America has been blessed as the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of the world. These blessings are not accidental. They are blessings from God. This is evident as we look at the turmoil in other nations and contrast that to the stability for the most part. And I really have to preface that for the most part. If you're going to look at the overall, we still have more stability in America than a lot of other nations. Preserving American liberty depends first on our understanding and um, our understanding of the foundations of which this great country was built. And then it depends on preserving the principles on which it was founded. And we hear a lot in, um, maybe not in mainstream media, but I hear a lot about our founding principles. And we need to go back to those founding principles. And, and we, need to, um, we need to know what those principles are, even. On July 2nd, 1776, Congress voted to approve a complete separation from England. And I know this is all old school, y'all know this, but I'm building a foundation here. Two days later, the early draft of the Declaration of Independence was signed. And four days later, members of Congress took that document to read it out loud in Independence Hall, proclaiming to the city of Philadelphia. And afterward, they rang the Liberty Bell. And I didn't know this until I was studying this out. And the Liberty Bell, I've seen the Liberty Bell. Um, my grandfather flew us all out to Pennsylvania, my family and my boys, and we went to the Liberty Bell. And inscribed on the top of the Liberty Bell is 
Leviticus 25.10. Proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to the inhabitants thereof. That was part of our founding principles of our nation. John Adams said the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were general principles of Christianity. Probably the clearest indication of the spirit of the American Revolution was given by John Adams in a letter that he wrote to his wife and his closest advisor, Abigail, the day after Congress approved the Declaration. He wrote her two letters that day. One letter was extremely jubilant and excited because the Declaration had been signed, and the other letter was much longer and gave a very serious consideration to what had been done that day before. Adams could already see in the future the actions of celebrations for future generations to come because of the signing of that Declaration of Independence from England. He also wrote, this day will be the most memorably epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations and a great anniversary festival. He felt the celebration should be in a manner that would commemorate the day as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. That's what he foresee, foreseen our um, celebrations for the 4th of July to be, acts of uh, devotion to God. And some places it's anything but that. <laughs> a lot of times 4th of July is a drunken free-for-all. Seriously, just calling it like it is. <laughs> John Adams believed that the 4th of July should be a religious holiday. The two top holidays celebrated in the country at that time were Christmas and the 4th of July. And so that, that got me thinking, okay, well, what it, where does it rank now? It's a little bunny trail. I looked it up in my friend, Mr. Google, and he said um, that the top uh, five celebrated um, um, holidays, thank you very much, the holidays, the first one is Christmas, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Easter, and then Independence Day is number five. So just in case you were wondering, that was the top five celebrated holidays. On the 4th of July, the Founding Fathers simply took the precepts of Christ and his birth and incorporated those principles into civil government. Easy peasy, right? The Declaration of Independence was the birth certificate for our nation. But for the men who signed it, it could have been a death warrant. In the closing paragraph, it says, and for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to one another our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The 56 founding fathers, 27 of whom were trained as ministers, took this pledge very seriously. On the morning of the signing, there was silence and gloom as each man was called up to the table of the President of Congress 
to sign the document, knowing that they could be signing their death warrant. As they celebrated um, on the morning, no, dip, 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 get, get back in my place here. As they celebrated their independence from England so many years ago, they also recognized their dependence on God. They were not independent from God in their decision to become the independent nation. Their independence was dependent on God. And while it seems independence is the way to live, and in some ways it truly is, it's great to be independent, but it's not great to be independent from God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. When we try to be independent from God, we run smack into trouble trying to do it ourselves. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about three ways that we declare independence from God. We love our children to be independent. Put your own shoes on. Tie your own shoelaces. Make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You can unload the dishwasher. All of those things are wonderful, but no parent wants to be disregarded by their children. I would be brokenhearted if my kids or my grandkids said they didn't need me. I want to lean into them. I want to pour into them some of the experiences that I've gone through in life. I want to be there for their life's journey in the good times, in the bad, in the things that distress them, and in the things that they celebrate. I want to be a part of that. God is the perfect parent, and he is no different now than he was then. He's never frazzled like we are. <laughs> He's always fully capable and eager to care for our needs, and he wants us to trust him. So if you want to turn first over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, I have two places that we're going to go to this morning. This is the first, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. This is why we can trust him. This is why we can depend on him. We go straight to his word. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than the birds? Can all your worries add one single moment to our life? No, it can't. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And that sounds so like, oh, why would I say that? But sometimes we do say, what are we going to eat? When the closets are bare, and maybe none of you have been there, but we have 
our family has been there. And the Lord has come through with somebody driving up in our driveway saying, hey, the Lord wanted me to come by and bring you these and open their trunk. And their trunk was filled with groceries for my family. My husband was working hard in ministry and God took care of us. He took care of feeding our family. Snow came. We had no snow boots for the boys. And a lady came to our home and said, the Lord wanted me to give you this money so you could go buy snow boots for the boys. He takes care of all of those things, but it's a matter of process and it's a matter of trust. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need, and he will give it at the right time. I'm, I'm telling you, we need to just really pray for Crystal because it's a tough walk right now. It's a tough place to be. It's an unsure place to be, but the one thing that we can be sure of is that God has a plan. He absolutely has a plan. When our back is against the wall, God still has a plan. So what does it say when we turn to everywhere but to God for support when we're going through the hard times? What message do we send when we exercise our independence from God and turn to others for wise counsel. We turn to friends, we turn to family, we turn to co-workers, we turn to everybody but God. God does not call us industrious or resourceful when we do that. God sees seeking God-free solutions for broken marriages, troubling situations, impossible debt, that's not what we need to do. Those are not the people that we need to go to. We need to go to God. We need to trust God. And these aren't just words. We have lived it. We have walked this out in our lives. And I know many of you have too. Instead, God calls us stubborn. He says that we are stubborn and this is the other scripture that I want you to turn to. And it's Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And we're going to only talk about verses 1 through 3. Isaiah chapter 30. And you might even want to highlight it and put your name in there. Verse number 1 says, What sorrow awaits my rebellious children? says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection, and you have tried to hide in his shadow. But by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. I have no doubt that there are times in my life when God can absolutely put my name in that setting of scripture. Oh, Ty, you, I can just see it. You rebellious, stubborn child. 
You make plans that are contrary to mine. Yes, I have. You make alliances not directed by my spirit. Yes, I have. Thus piling up your sins or thus piling up your problems, one on top of the other, because Ty chose to do it Ty's way. Without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. Without consulting me, you ran to your friends, to your family, to your co-workers, to the governor. You didn't come to me. A stubborn person ignores God, is obstinate and independent and rebellious. Stubbornness or rebellion is like saying to God, I know better. I can take care of this. I can do this. I don't need your help. Ah, that's where the rubber meets the road. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. No, no, Ty, you can't. We delete God from our plans. We delete God from our contact list. We delete God from our agenda. No emergency contact, no reaching out to God in case. We just completely push him to the side. But a strong, godly person admits their weaknesses and becomes increasingly dependent on God. In the early years of our nation, our leadership was submitted to God and recognized their need for him. It seems we have digressed from those days. Taking down statues from histor of historical figures, renaming schools that were named after our founding fathers, and now they're even trying to take down the pictures in the Capitol Rotunda depicting the Declaration of Independence and other things that happened in our history, in our past history. They are deeming them offensive. And so there's a group that wants to take them all down out of the Capitol Rotunda. What? What's happening in our country? I think, I think there's some... Uh, independent from God thinking going on instead of recognizing that we need to be dependent on him. It's not a weakness to submit to God's plan and not your own. It's not a weakness to identify that uh, I'm following Ty and I need to flip this around and I need to be following God. It's okay to stop what you're doing Take an account where you are and go, man, I was wrong. God, forgive me. Show me where I need to be. God's plans will always trump the best voices in our head and the best voices in our lives. His plan will always be the best plan. I love Sandy. She always says God has plan A, period. God has plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. He has plan A, and I love that. What we need to do is lay our brokenness before the Lord, saying, apart from you, God, I can do nothing. In my weakness, you are made strong. We are designed for dependence. We were created that way. We were created to be dependent on God. From the beginning, God designed us to live in dependence, live, 
space, dependence upon him. But we've been pulling away from God and exerting our own independence from day one. How insulting is it to him when an unbeliever lives their life ignoring him? An unbeliever still created by God Almighty, whether you believe it or not, has no bearing on whether that's fact. If you are an unbeliever, you are still created by God. Yet isn't it even more offensive to God when his children turn their back on him? Isaiah 30 paints a great scene of God looking on while his children set off briskly to find shelter in Egypt. All the while he's calling, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. I'm here for you. I've got a plan. He calls, but they never even glance in his direction. How unthinkable, right? Yet we do the same thing. The prophet's words written in the word are echoing the warning forward to us. Think about your life's greatest challenge at this moment right now. What's going on in your life right now that you are struggling with or that you have anxiety about? Is that causing you to push away from God? Or is it pulling you in, depending on God, leaning into him, his word, the Holy Spirit to speak? And sometimes the, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and speak in these grand outlandish ways. You know, he's not going to part the heavens and, and say, Ty, you need to go this way. Sometimes it's that quiet, still voice that's telling us which way to go, what to do, what steps are next. Are we ignoring God with our own self-independence? Even if it's unintentional, here are three ways you might be sending a message to God that you are independent from him. Number one, we may be acting independent from God if we are making plans without him. And I think I could probably say we've all been guilty at some point in time of making plans without him. Egypt, it wasn't always the wrong place to go. When Joseph's brother faced famine, they went to Egypt. It was the obvious choice. When Herod was after baby Jesus, God named Egypt as an escape route. And so why this time is God so upset that has, his people have headed to Egypt? How exactly have they sinned? God said they made a plan without asking him first. Without consulting him first, they made a plan. God doesn't give each one of us the same roadmap. He's not a cookie cutter God and we don't have cookie cutter lives. We all have different, we all react to things differently. To some, he may say, um, I want you to fight and I want you to fight hard. And for others, he may say, I want you to hold your peace. Don't say a word. And when he tells me that, 
It's not good. <laughs> I'm not good at just holding my peace. I'm kind of like, <laughs> and then repent. <laughs> but to some, he might say, hey, I want, you, I want you to go to college. I want you to further your education. And to others, he may say, I want you to plant a garden and stay home and raise your babies. That's what I did. I wanted to be a meteorologist or a geologist. But it didn't happen that way. I planted a garden and I raised my babies. And then when I could, when it was the right time, we prayed about it and I went back to work in the school system and uh, I was with my boys. So that was, that was good, but it was the right plan for me. Here's what is consistent for all of us. Here's what we can all hang our hat on. God wants us to ask not assume, not do what seems logical, because God is not always logical. Can I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. He is not always logical in our thinking, not bullheadedly pursuing our own dreams. He wants you and I to lean into his word, to lean into his spirit, and he wants us to ask. And sometimes that's not easy. I get it. I get it. Even ask God. I mean, asking your friends or family to do something can be difficult enough. But sometimes asking God is difficult. Um, sometimes when you have to admit that you, you can't do it on your own, seriously? Okay. <laughs> You're right, I can't. <laughs> You're right, I can't. Secondly, we may be acting independent from God by making unhealthy alliances. The people of Judah sought advice from everyone but God. God's people were teaming up with Egypt. They sensed threats and were being proactive, but their plans were not of God's spirit. They were plugging their ears to God and letting insecurity do all the talking as they ran straight to Pharaoh. We are driven by our fear to search for comfort, for advice, and for relief from difficult situations, hoping to find an easy way out. It's not always an easy way out. Do you let insecurity do the talking for you? Do you constantly reach out to other people because of your insecurity? Do you network to make unhealthy alliances out of fear? Fear of rejection, fear of not fitting in, fear of losing something. God wants you to plug your ears to insecurity and to listen to the voice of his spirit, who is always reminding us, we are his children. He is our father. He cares. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, it says in Romans 8. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. When I looked that up yesterday, Abba Father, 
I, I came across this and I thought it was very fitting. Jesus experienced God as tender and loving, courageous and kind, compassionate and forgiving. And this is my favorite part, a laughter in the morning and a comfort at night. And I think about that. I probably do more laughing in the morning because I'm more awake. But at night, that comfort that comes from knowing I'm protected. And, and, and that doesn't even have to be the physical nighttime. Sometimes life experiences, we have the daylight, the morning of that experience, but we also have the discomfort sometimes of the darkness of that experience. But rather, whether it's dark or light, he's with us. He's there to comfort us. And we just need to receive that comfort. We need to, we need to settle into it like a, like a blanket that you pull up. You know, my husband is so sweet. He's so kind. He takes the blankets and he'll pull them up and he'll snuggle me in. <laughs> and that's what the Lord does. He, he pulls that blanket of comfort over us and lets us know that no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what we're going through, he comforts us in that. Abba, a form of address used by the little Jewish children toward their father and best translated as Papa or Daddy, opened the possibility of an undreamed of, unheard of intimacy with God. In any other great world religion, it is unthinkable to address the Almighty God, their Almighty small g, God, as Abba, as Papa as dad, as the one who cares. That's too common. But when I think about, I don't call him daddy. I don't call that, you know, God daddy, but I know people that do. And it's because of intimacy with God that they, that they feel they call him daddy or papa. You know, when my grandkids, when they say papa, I mean, Gary just melts. You know, whatever you need, whatever you need, Papa is here. You know, can you imagine how God feels when we call on him in that intimate way to let him know, A, I love you, or I need something. I can't do this by myself. Papa, help me. It's intimacy. That's what we need to develop is that intimate relationship with God. A very popular pastor named Timothy Keller once wrote, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. in the morning for a drink of water is a child. Is a child. And we have that very same access to God. But do we access him like that? Or is he a second thought? We can go straight into the very presence of God with any insecurity, any fear, or any threat. So imagine God's frustration when after being given the family badge, we have that pass, we have access to him at any time, we choose personal independence from him instead.
All the while, he is leaning in saying, I'm here. I'm here. Just call on me. I'm here. I know this is hard. I know what you're going through is tough. I know you feel like you're all alone, but I'm here. But we go on our way without him. Lastly, we may be acting independent from God when we are finding refuge without him. God was not pleased with his children returning to Egypt in, uh, instead, of a, instead of to him for refuge, safety, and comfort. It was like seeing your frightened child run past you to a stranger. That's what it appears. That's the visual. When we have a problem and we bypass God and we go to somebody else, we're going past what's familiar and we're going, taking it to a stranger? No, that's not what God wants us to do. God, God's help and deliverance seems to be activated by our dependence on him, not our self-willed independence from him. In Proverbs 16 and one, he says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. The Lord helps them and delivers them because they take refuge in him, Psalms 37. See how the, psalm, the psalmist reminds God of his reliance? He seems intent on letting God know that he is being purposefully dependent on him. Why? Because God responds to his people who rather than being stubbornly independent, Ty, choose to cry out to him and depend on him. Picture a little girl playing near an aggressive pit bull. Her dad tells her to keep her distance, but she stubbornly moves towards the dog with her little hand out. And then when the dog snarls and snaps at her, the girl shrieks calling, Daddy, Daddy, and he swoops in to pick her up takes her to safety. Like a daddy, God loves to be our refuge. And when we humble ourselves and cry out to him, he swoops us up to safety. He takes us to that safe refuge that's in him. What makes you feel safe? What calms your fears? Does your heart take refuge in God? On this Independence Day for our country, we are also exercising our right to be independent from God. That's our right. We don't have to be dependent on God. We can be very independent from God, but we are going to run smack dab into a wall if we choose that route. Or have we chosen to live in true freedom in our great country totally, completely sold out and dependent on our God. Are you sending God a message that you don't trust him? Are you making plans and building alliances and seeking refuge, turning everywhere but to God? God is it, period. Nothing more to add. God is it it. He is our refuge. He is our safe place. He is our advocate. He is our place 
to go when it's tough, when the world gets ugly out there. He is our refuge. We don't need to be making a, a home and a refuge someplace else. We need to be running directly to God. He is saying, I'm right here. Here I am. I care. I know what you're going through. Just ask me. Just ask me. I've got you. I've got you in this difficult situation. I've got you. I've got you in this blessing. I'm, I'm rejoicing with you. I'm right there with you. Sometimes we forget that God, after we've gone through a battle and we are, we are in that mountaintop experience, he's with us there too. He didn't just get us there and drop us off. He's there with us. And we need to, to celebrate with him. Amen? So if I could have the dynamic duo come back up really quick in closing this morning. Let's all stand. And I want you to just bow your heads and I want you to, thank you. Oh, <laughs> the dynamic trio now. <laughs> I want you to contemplate where you stand. I want you to contemplate your place in God's plan. And to be honest with you, some of us may have to admit that we're truly contemplating God's place in our plan. And we have that totally backwards. We need to be in his plan, not him in our plan, because what that means is I've created a plan, I've created the process, and I'm asking you to come along, God. And God doesn't take a second seat to anybody. So what we need to do is we need to acknowledge the plan and then we need to get in the plan. We need to step into his plan. And it might look a little rough. It might be a rocky place. <clears throat> a rocky place. But just know that he has the very best plan for our life. And the very best way to get to that end point. You want to be fulfilled in life? You will never escape problems in life, but having a dependency, a dependency on God through the good and the bad will help you be strong and better in both. Independence from God is unhealthy. Making plans without God is unwise. Making alliances will cause you pain and suffering Seeking a shelter or a safe refuge in any other place or any other thing beside God will lead to destruction and heartache. So in closing this morning, I urge each of you this morning to celebrate our independence as a nation. But let us also, also celebrate our dependence on an all-knowing, ever-caring, always-close Father. God, be with us today. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Father, if there's something in us today that you have quickened, I pray that you would help us to deal with it. I pray that you would help us to stand up 
recognize the wrong and move forward, our hand in yours, walking in your plan. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize our need for you and that it's not just words. It's not just words. It has to be an act of our heart. It has to be acts of our motive. Our motive cannot be, oh, I'm going to serve God because he's going to give me. Give me, give me. He is not Santa Claus. He is God. He wants the best for us. He has the best plans made for us. We just have to submit and acknowledge that I am taking a back seat to God. If that is you this morning and you need to just let God know, I am submitting to you. I am fully dependent. I'm changing my ways and I'm going to depend on you, God. I'm not depending on myself any longer. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand up and down. Amen. Amen. Father God, these hands this morning are starting new. They are starting fresh this morning, right now, with you in the lead. You are in the driver's seat in our lives, God. We commit that to you. Father, we just ask that you would direct, that you would speak to us in ways that we have never seen before. Speak to us. And Father, show us our dependency is not on our, our life circumstance. Our dependency is on you. Our dependency is on you. And you put our plans together, God, and help us to see and to follow. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Thank you, God, for inspiring our hearts. Thank you, God, for changing us this morning. We just love you and appreciate you this morning, God. Amen.